church. I hope it's a happy Thanksgiving weekend for you and that uh, you will find uh, new blessings as you celebrate this season. Uh, It's the first year that my wife and I have been able to celebrate Thanksgiving with our family for about 10 years. So that's been kind of fun. We get two different Thanksgivings this year because of the lockdowns and whatnot, so one one night and another the other night, so we're having some good times with that. In your bulletins today, a couple of announcements I want to give to you. Our Thanksgiving offering this year, which we're taking today, is uh, uh, going to be split between our local ministries and the Mosaic Center this year. We wanted to support some of the uh, um, some of the uh, the uh, ministries that are reaching the uh, poor population of our, our city, and the Mosaic Center is one of those that we selected. Um, the nominating committee is looking for some people to fill some positions for 2022, so if you want to take a look at your uh, bulletins and see what positions those are, and if you will spend some time in prayer about that, and uh, ask the Lord if he would want you to be involved in one of our ministries here. Uh, please uh, let us know if, you're, if, if the Lord is leading you in that direction, and uh, we'll be sure to uh, pass that along. A Friday night is going to be another games night at 6.30. It's always a great time to come together and uh, enjoy one another's fellowship and have some fun together and maybe learn a new game. A couple of times ago, Barbara and I learned a new game that we've been playing at home ever since, and I just can't get my wife to stop. (laughs) But it's fun. Hope you join us for that. And uh, again, we are planning on going to the GEM uh, Missions Conference, as far as we know, is still uh, on, uh, even with the restrictions. Of course, it's held in a large church And so I think there's plenty of space for us to distance. And if you're thinking about going, uh, we would appreciate it if you would sign up so that we can let the organizers know, um, you know, how many are going to be there so they know whether it's on or off. And uh, so that we know as well uh, who will be going. We're going to be carpooling together uh, because it's, as Pastor Mark said, it was always fun to do things together. And uh, so we're going to be doing that, and uh, we're going to pay for that for you. And so you can go on to the church website, and you can sign up for that. Um, Our hearts are grieving together today at the loss of our brother, um, Al uh, Barb. Uh, Passed away, I think it was on Friday, uh, in hospital. And so let's keep uh, Colleen and family in prayer Uh, as they enter now into this season of mourning and grief. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together and to worship you and to sing praises to your name. Uh, Lord, you are awesome. You are glorious in all your ways. And especially on this Thanksgiving weekend, we pause to reflect upon your goodness that you have displayed towards us in so many different ways. Uh, Lord, we can't even count all the ways you have blessed us. Uh, Father, we pray for um, the Barb family today as they are mourning the loss of Al. And we, as a church family, are mourning our loss. Father, we pray that you would be especially close to Colleen and that you will comfort and that you will 
demonstrate your, your very real presence to them, upholding them and giving them renewed strength as they go through this season. Father, we pray that you would bless Pastor Mark as he brings the sermon today. Use it, Lord, to draw us into your presence. May we hear your voice as he proclaims your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids, you can go ahead and go to your time of children's church. Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving Sunday to each and every one of you. Uh, Thank you for joining us, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. uh, We are so glad that you are able to be with us this morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9 this morning, because we're going to take a bit of a break uh, from our series on the book of Philippians And if we're not going to talk about joy in Philippians, what could be better than speaking about thankfulness uh, from the Gospel of Luke? Uh, Because thankfulness matters. Uh, In fact, this year, I think it is a timely message because I think for so many people, life right now, it's a lot of fear. It's a lot of frustration. There's just so much uncertainty. There's feelings of isolation and loneliness And maybe you're even here this morning or listening online and you think, you know what, I'm in a place where it feels really hard to be, feel thankful. Uh, Maybe you've even had a season in your life where you don't feel like you have a lot to be grateful for, a season where you've experienced loss, uh, a season of challenges, whether those challenges are personal or professional or they're challenges with your family or challenges with your health or maybe you're even facing struggling with depression or or something along those lines. Uh, We all know what that can be like uh, to face those kinds of seasons. Uh, I actually remember after my wife Kathy passed away, uh, I I took several months off work uh, just to grieve, just to kind of, you know. uh, But after all that time off was over, uh, I decided to go back to work and my very first week back in the pulpit after mourning the loss of my wife was Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, so maybe God has a sense of humor, but I can tell you in that moment, I did not feel like preaching on thankfulness or I did not really feel like standing up and telling people to be thankful or, you know, but I did it. And I did it because that's what God desires from his people. And that's what Thanksgiving is about. It's not about our circumstances. It's not about how much stuff we have or how much good fortune has come our way. It's not about, you know, celebrating a life of smooth sailing. In fact, I think thankfulness is about perspective. It's about seeing past all of those things and all those obstacles and all those challenges, seeing past them and seeing to God himself and knowing that even in the midst of all that stuff, knowing that he's good. And knowing who he is and what he has done for us. Knowing that he cares for us. It's about the Jesus and the gospel. And it's about holding on to our hope that is bigger than any earthly concerns. Which is, I think, why we're told over and over in the word of God, just be thankful. Be thankful in all of those things. Because from a Christian perspective, thankfulness is not a day on the calendar. 
It's to be the constant condition of our hearts as believers. It's not, not a holiday. It's our every day as Christians. And that's the lesson we need to learn. And that's the lesson uh, we want to look at in our passage as Jesus gives his disciples a lesson on being thankful. But before we go there, before we jump into the sermon this morning, I don't want to miss my opportunity to say thank you to you. Because uh, I want you to know, as my church, I continue to be so thankful to this church for calling me to serve as your pastor. Uh, I can assure you, I feel truly loved uh, by all of you. Uh, and I am thankful for your patience and the grace you have shown me, especially, you know, during this time of COVID when, you know, what used to be normal ministry, is, it feels like a distant memory. It's so frustrating. But you've shown so much patience. And I appreciate you and I treasure you just so much. So thank you uh, for allowing me to serve you. Uh, so for me and my family, just, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, but now on to our passage. And it's a bit of a longer one, but uh, please follow along with me as I read. Uh, it might be a little familiar to you as well. Luke chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 1. And it says, And he, that's Jesus, he called together the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever uh, they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed. And they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and he withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him. And they welcomed them and they spoke to them about the kingdom of God and they cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away. And the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowds away to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodgings and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes, unless we are to go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And had them sit, they had them all sit down. And taking five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray. Father God, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we pray that you would give us thankful hearts. Hearts, hearts that are thankful because they are tuned to you. Hearts that are thankful because they see you above any circumstances we might be facing this morning that are trying to distract us. 
uh, from that joy and that hope that we have in you. Um, Lord, I pray that, Lord, the words that we hear this morning would be from you, that you would hide me behind the cross, and that, Lord, if there's something I say that is not from you, that it would take it from our memory so that, Lord, we would only hear the words you would have us here this morning. We ask you to come. We ask you to be with us. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit among us um, to join us, to teach us, and to give us thankful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this passage this morning in Luke chapter 9. And Jesus has already, as you go through the Gospel of Luke, he's already done that moment where he's called his 12 disciples. He gives them all the name, Peter, John, Andrew, all those guys. 12 disciples. And since that time, he has spent time teaching them. And he's taken time to show him, you know, just his heart for the people. He's, he's shown them miracles. Uh, you know, they've, they've seen people healed and diseases cured. And, and Jesus has just spent time with them, you know. And if you were lucky enough to sort of have been counted among those 12, I just think it would be nothing short of amazing to have been able to see and experience Jesus doing all of those things. That's something to see. But you see, Jesus wanted his disciples to do more than just see. He wanted them to do. Discipleship is not a spectator sport. It's not just something we watch happen. It's something we participate in. Because Jesus was preparing these men, these 12, to follow in his footsteps after he returned to heaven. So this moment comes when it's time for the 12, these 12 men who have been watching to start doing. It's time for them to go and begin experience doing ministry on their own. So this will be the disciples' sort of first chance to sort of step out and do what Jesus did. And we're told in Luke chapter 9, it says, And he called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, nor money. Do not even have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, and they went through the villages, teaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus is basically sort of sending these 12 disciples out on a short-term missions trip. And keep in mind here, we're told, there was no fundraising beforehand. There was no sponsorships. There was no pledges of support. There was no nothing. I mean, these guys had the shirts on their back, the sandals on their feet. And Jesus says, just go. It's all you need. And God provided. You know, not a single one of them had to come home early or, you know, had to return empty-handed. Every one of them was able to see God at work in their life and through their life in a powerful way. And people were healed. Diseases were cured. The lame walked. The sick recovered. Miracles were happening. And best of all, we're told the message of the gospel was preached everywhere that they went. People got to hear the good news about Jesus. And as we come to Thanksgiving this year, it I think this needs to be both our first lesson and our main lesson about giving thanks. And that is Thanksgiving begins when we learn to trust in God. You know, Jesus, he wants his disciples to live by faith. That's really the big lesson of this entire passage. And I'll tell you a secret. Thankfulness that we're talking about, that's only actually a small part of that. 
But it's an essential part of that. You can't be thankful if you're not being faithful, if you're not trusting in God. A life of faith is a life of thankfulness. And a life of thankfulness is a life of faith. And I'm sure when the disciples sort of left Jesus to sort of strike on the, out on their own, it was probably with uncertainty and hesitation, even a bit of fear. I mean, they were kind of probably wondering, you know, how can we do what Jesus has asked us to do if we don't have anything? I mean, we don't even know where we're going to stay. We don't know where our next meal is going to come from. We don't know, you know, how we're going to live. And yet God provided. And it was a lesson on trusting God. Trusting God even though you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And reflecting on that, you know, I look back on my own life. And there's so many times that I feel like I've been in a similar place. A place where I just didn't know how I was going to make it. Where I asked, how am I going to go on? How do I face what's before me when there's so much uncertainty? How can I make it if I feel like I have to do it on my own? But you know, the point of this passage is we're not on our own. We're not alone. We have a God who goes with us and goes before us. And you know, just like the disciples back then, I can look back on all of those times in my life right now, all those times when I didn't know how I could face tomorrow and those times of uncertainty, and I can see how God carried me through those times so faithfully. I can see how he provided for me in ways I never expected. I can see how he has been faithful continually through my past and all of those circumstances, how he gave me the strength I needed and I made it through with his help. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I can continue to be thankful today is because I know I face the future knowing that God is with me. And with that in mind, you can almost close your Bibles and go home because Everything else we're talking about this morning is just icing on the cake. Because in the world of thankfulness, learning to trust God matters. But you know what? Having a relationship with Jesus really matters too. In fact, that, that means everything. In, the, in fact, if you want a second lesson on thankfulness, sort of at no extra charge, um, it would be this. A thankful heart is also one that knows Jesus. Because you know when Jesus sent his disciples out we're told that they went out preaching the gospel, preaching the good news. And the, me the message that's proclaimed here is not just that, that God loves you and that God will provide for your needs. It's also the message that God is saving you. That God is doing a transformational work in your life. That God is active in saving his people. They went out preaching the good news. And I love a story that comes out of World War II. It said that the sun had just risen on a hot August day in 1944 in a small village in Plilo in German-occupied France. And on that day, a 15-year-old boy did not know why he and the other citizens of town had been lined up before a firing squad in the middle of the town square. Because all the boy knew that he was about to die. And he thought about all that he would miss by never growing up. But most of all, he was terrified of death. But suddenly the boy heard the sound of an exploding mortar shell just as a rapidly moving column of tanks entered the village. The Germans who were about to shoot them had to abandon that in order to engage the U.S. forces. 
Those American tanks were led by a man named Bob Hamsley, a corporal in Patton's 3rd Army. And unknown to most of the people, someone had sent for help, and Hamsley had driven all night to come and save them. And it was 40 years later, in 1990, that the town of Plilo formally honored Bob Hamsley on the very spot where dozens of the town citizens would have died if it were not for him. And the man who initiated the celebration to honor Hamsley was that very same 15-year-old boy. In fact, he had lived his whole life determined to find the man who had saved him, just so he could say thank you. And when he was asked that question, why would you, why would you do that? Why would you go through so much trouble and spend so much time? And the reason that he gave was simply, it's hard to forget your Savior. And for the believer in Jesus, that should be especially true. That's our answer about why. You know, when we come to the point in our lives when we are able to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we realize our own sinfulness and our need, when we realize that God has been so good to us, that God loves us so much that he was willing to send his only son to die on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life, so that we can be forgiven. That is where thankfulness should be born. A thankful heart is one that knows Christ. It's a heart that knows its Savior. And salvation in Christ is more than enough reason for a life that is full of thankfulness. So it's no wonder the disciples are excited as they got to experience all of that firsthand. They saw God providing for their needs, God caring for them, and they saw the effects of preaching the gospel and telling people the good news about a God who saves. In fact, look at what happens next. Verse 7. It says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this I hear things about? And he sought to seek him out. And here's another quick lesson on Thanksgiving. And that is, when you live with, well, people around are going to notice it. Uh, you know, I find it interesting that Jesus' ministry was already up and running and he was like ministering and doing miracles and doing all. But it's not until all the disciples start getting involved that it begins to create enough of a stir that even the king begins to hear about Jesus' ministry and all that's happening. Because people hear about people when they live by faith. People hear about a life, you know, that is lived trusting God. People hear about truth being proclaimed. They hear about a life that's lived showing compassion to others. They hear about people when they live a life of thankfulness. That's a life that people will stand up and take notice of. And when you live your life like that, people notice because it's so outside of the ordinary of what most people think and what most people expect and the way that most people live their lives. It's so unusual that it gets their attention and it piques their interest. When you are thankful, when you have a thankful heart, even in hard circumstances, even when things, the world around you says there's no reason that person should be thankful, when you're still thankful, the world looks at you and wonders, what's up with that? What's going on in their life that they can live that way? 
You know, when we sing songs of praise, even at a funeral, the world says, what? And verse 9 says he sought him out. They, they seek out Jesus because they want to know what's going on. A thankful life is a testimony in and of itself. It gives glory to God. Uh, Colossians 3.17. We're told, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. What a testimony, a life of thankfulness. That's something the world stands up and notices. And then continuing in verse 10. It says, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and he withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and they welcomed them. And they spoke to them of the kingdom of God and they cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away. The twelve came and said to him, Send the crowds away for the, for, uh, to go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodgings and get provision, for we are here in a desolate place. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes unless we're to go buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And you know, reading this passage, as we stop there, I'm always amazed I guess just how quickly the disciples' trust in God is shaken. Because we've just heard, they've, they, they experienced personally, firsthand, God providing for their every need so faithfully in their lives. Just days before, I mean, <laughs> I mean they just showed up and they were telling Jesus about all that God had been doing for them. But at the very next problem that comes up, all of that good feeling, all of that God provided for our needs so faithfully, it was amazing. You know, all of that happiness that they were experiencing, it just evaporates. And in that place comes this sense of desperation among the disciples. Their excitement turns to panic, and their once sort of thankful hearts suddenly become overwhelmed with trouble. And you know, it's not as if the disciples, you know, it's not as if Jesus had himself a group of hot and cold running disciples. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is just, what's happening here is real life. And we know it. We all know what it's like to, on Monday, just like, feel amazing. You know, you get to a place where you're just, you're, you feel unstoppable, like nothing could shake you. The, you know, just, oh, today the goodness of God is just like, it's amazing. And yet two days later, by Wednesday, something happens and you're just like, I wonder if the sun is ever going to shine again. I wonder if I'm ever going to find a way to smile. Because we all know that when things are good, Thanksgiving is so easy. When your proverbial cup runneth over and your life is on track and things are going well, grata, it just flows so freely. But when things turn and suddenly there's a need you can't meet or a problem you can't solve or Maybe an investment goes bad or you lose your job or debts start adding up or your kid gets sick or you get a call from the doctor. You know, when tragedy strikes out of the blue and your life gets turned upside down in that moment, well, your thankfulness can be a whole lot harder to find. And that's where the disciples were. They were in over their head. They had a problem they couldn't solve. They had a need they knew they couldn't meet. And they went from feeling amazing to feeling overwhelmed. In only a moment. So what does a person do in that place? 
How does a person in over their head find a way not just to be faithful, but to be thankful? Well, here Jesus again shows us the way. As we look at verse 14, as it continues, and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And they had them sit, uh, all sit down, and taking five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowds. And chances are you probably know this story from Sunday school, and you know how this ends. Uh, maybe you're even a little bit like me, and you just look right past you know, Jesus' words here, and you skip to the end, just so you can see the goodness of God. But I don't want you to go there yet. Because for us this morning, there are a few more lessons to be learned. And Jesus actually does no less than the three things in these verses that I think are essential to our lives if we want to find thankfulness in the hard times. Jesus reveals three things we can do to have thankful hearts even when we are in a situation where we feel like we're in over our heads. And the first thing that Jesus does is he chooses to give thanks. He gives thanks even in spite of difficult circumstances. You know, here's Jesus. He's standing before a crowd of 5,000 people. And they're all growing hungry. And they're all looking to him. And in his hands, he's just been handed five loaves of bread and two fish, which is a good lunch for a 12-year-old boy, but it's barely a snack if you're a hungry guy. And that's all that he has. And Jesus has a choice to make. And I think most of us, if we were in that place, we would hold those bread and loaves and we'd be like, really? Like, this is it? Like, wow, like, thanks for nothing. But not Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't blame God or get angry or lash out. He doesn't whine about how little he's been given. He doesn't complain. And that's important. Uh, Psalm 77 verse 3 says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You know, complaining is an easy road to travel, but it always takes you in the wrong direction. Complaining overwhelms our spirit. It makes us miserable. But thankfulness sets our heart free. So Jesus doesn't complain. Instead, Jesus says, God, thank you for even the little bit that you have provided. Uh, in fact, the translation I grew up reading says it even more clearly in verse 16. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke them. That's the NIV. Jesus says, thank you, God, for five loaves of bread and two little fish. Because he chose to have a thankful heart. And I don't want you to miss that. Because there's moments of our lives where thankfulness is a choice that we make. In one of Chuck Swindoll's most famous quotes, he says, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitudes toward life. The longer I live, he says, the more I'm convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude. It's more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my successes or failures, fame or pain, uh, whatever people think of me or say about me or my circumstances or my positions. When my attitudes are right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. And thankfulness really is a choice that our hearts can make. And Jesus chooses to be thankful. He chooses to give thanks for what God has given him. And then secondly, Jesus prays. In fact, actually in this passage, uh, Jesus gives thanks by praying. He, he lifts his eyes to heaven as he says, thank you. And here's another lesson we need to hear. 
And that is never underestimate the power of prayer when it comes to being thankful. Uh, That great passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Part of being thankful is being in prayer. And we're told it's unceasing prayer. And what that means is that we're being told as much as we are able, we are to make Jesus a part of our day-to-day living. And we do that through prayer. And there are a few things better for changing our attitude and putting thankfulness in our hearts than spending time in prayer. Prayer keeps our focus on Christ, and it's far more difficult to be overwhelmed by earthly troubles when our eyes are fixed on the Lord. So you know what? If you're struggling with being thankful this morning, something very simple that you can do is spend more time in prayer. Jesus gives thanks, and then he prays. And then the third thing that Jesus does here is that he puts his disciples to work. Verse 16 says, Then he broke the loaves and they gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Now Jesus says to his disciples, You know what, guys, time to get up, start handing out some food. And with, you know, 5,000 people, there were 12 disciples. You can imagine they were kept on their toes. That's like four to 500 people for each and every disciple to get food to. It's a lot of running around. But Jesus gets these discouraged disciples serving other people. And this is another important lesson in finding a thankful heart. It's service. And maybe some people are thinking, well, what does serving have to do with being thankful? Because when we are down, the last thing we want to do is more work. I mean, we want people to help us, not us help other people. But you know what? Something that I found is that when you are serving, it takes the focus off of yourself which is almost always a good thing for our attitudes. Because to be honest, there's nothing that makes a person more miserable than letting them be completely self-absorbed. And serving is also a great way to sort of gain some very important perspective on your own life. I mean, if you go volunteer at a food bank or serve soup at the mustard seed or you know, visit a senior who's shut in and lonely, it not only feels good to serve, but it also makes you way more thankful for the things that you do have when you realize how little some other people have. It gives you perspective. And serving is also a means to be blessed. You know, when you serve others, it's not all give and no take. Quite the contrary. When I serve others, I feel blessed. I feel lucky that I get to serve them because it feels good to serve. It's a blessing. So just like prayer, if you're struggling with being thankful, one of the best things that you can do to help overcome that feeling is to actively look for ways to serve the needs of other people all around you. Which actually brings us to the final lesson uh, that Jesus teaches us in our passage this morning. As we read in verse 17, it says, And they all ate, and they were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up in 12 baskets of broken pieces. And you know, I've always sort of been fascinated by that verse. And the fact that there were 12 basketfuls of food left over. You could ask, like, why 12? I mean, after feeding 5,000 people, it could have been any number of baskets. Why not three? Why not 34? Why not 102? Why 12? But I think the significance is obvious because Jesus had 12 disciples. 12 disciples who were probably so busy serving other people that they probably didn't have a chance to get to eat themselves. So, Twelve baskets means that there was one basket left over 
for each one of the disciples. And the point is clear that even in this miracle of feeding 5,000, God provided exactly enough, right down to the last person, including a take-home meal for each one of the 12 disciples after it was over. So the final lesson on thankfulness this morning is that a thankful heart trusts God. And I put in quotations, and this time I really mean it. <laughs> because, you know, this is the same lesson we started with. And this whole passage is kind of like Jesus asking his disciples, when will you learn this lesson? Because you saw how God provided for you when you went out on your own. And you were so thankful and you were so excited in that moment. You were on fire with faith and all that you saw God doing in your life. And that as soon as the next crisis came along, as soon as you're facing the very next shortfall, you fell apart. And you had to learn that lesson all over again. You had to learn again how to walk by faith. You had to learn again how to trust in God. You had to learn again how God will provide. And he will see you through. And he will see us through. But you know, that doesn't mean God will always give us what we want or what we think we need. And this is maybe an important side lesson here. You know, trusting in God also means trusting that he knows best for our lives. I love uh, what's called the prayer of the Confederate soldier. It says this so well. He says, I ask for God for strength that I might achieve. But I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked God for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might become wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life, but I was given life so that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. And almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered, and I am among all men most richly blessed. What a great lesson. God will provide in our lives, in our homes, in our churches. Not always the way we want or the way we expect, but it will always be what we need. Because God is faithful. And that faithfulness of God should be the foundation of our thankfulness. And again, perhaps you're here this morning and you're not feeling too blessed. Maybe you don't feel overly thankful. My advice to you is to look to God and be thankful anyways. And that's what Thanksgiving is all about. I love a quote by one pastor that says it so well. He says, My gratitude cannot be decreased by the situation at hand. It is not affected by any problem of the day. I can still do the will of God even when trials come because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. I can still witness when I have a bad day because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. I can still praise God even when my body is aching because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. I can still worship even when people have disappointed me because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. I can still celebrate the goodness of my Father in heaven when my money runs short because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. I can still shout hallelujah even though I can't see what's coming my way because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. 
And I can continue to stand on the promises of God even when it seems if all hope is gone because I have a thankful heart and I trust in God. That's our lesson on thankfulness this morning. And don't wait to be thankful. Don't postpone contentment until your situation changes. Choose to live your life in thankfulness to God. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving again this year, look beyond the roast turkey, you know, the pumpkin pie, the the dressing, all those other delicious trimmings, and remember that Thanksgiving is not just a day on our calendar, but it is God's will for our lives every single day. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would give us thankful hearts. Thankful hearts that are born out of our faith in you. Born out of our goodness that we know that you have for us. For your care and your compassion that you show us. For the provision uh, that we have seen firsthand in our lives. And Lord, thank you for founding that thankfulness in salvation itself. As we think about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross so that we could be forgiven. That we could know hope of eternal life. May we, in all circumstances, keep our eyes fixed on you. So that when something comes into our life um, that threatens to steal our thankfulness or steal our joy or steal our hope or dim our trust in you, that we would still hold tight, still hold on, and keep living for you. Because, Lord, thankfulness is your will for our lives as your people. And then, Lord, we're not going to be thankful for all things, but we can be thankful in all things because we can look past them and see you in all things. Pray that we would trust you. Pray that we would have thankful hearts. And, Lord, even as we go from this place, many of us will be joining friends or family, and yet it's not the Thanksgiving we wanted because there's restrictions and all of that stuff. But, Lord, even in that moment of disappointment that many of us are facing today, we pray that we would still have hearts full of thankfulness and full of trust in you. Because, Lord, that, that's the message we need to learn over and over again. May our hearts be truly thankful this day. In Jesus' name, amen.